Well, good morning. My name is uh, Pastor Roger Kaisers. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm delighted that uh, you are here at church with us, either listening online on Facebook or CentennialRoad.com, uh, Kojiko TV. Hi, Mom. Um, and live at church. Glad that you are here. I want to offer you some of the best news ever. Your eternity is secure in Jesus Christ, our Savior. You are included in God's blueprint. Your forever is going to work out because that is part of the Father's plan. We are starting into a four-week four -week series for Advent called The Stories of Christmas. And of course, we'll be examining a few of the stories sur surrounding the uh, narrative of the birth of Jesus, as well as our call to worship him and to love others. And by understanding the Father's generous heart, that helps us. Uh, when he offered Jesus to us, when we understand who he is, we can then celebrate the joy of the season by giving back to God and by loving those around us. Now, this series is going to discuss a few ideas. Uh, evangelism is important during this season that every believer is equipped to share through their personal testimony what God's done in your life, and that the freedom of forgiveness enables us to touch the lives of everyone around us. And this first week, we're going to be looking at the Father's plan. Let's talk about plans. Now, I have two grandsons. One is four years old, and he often says, let's talk about, talk about whatever it is that has come to mind whatever the conversation has been. It might be Hot Wheels, it, uh, it might be monkeys, it might be towels. Let's talk about. Um, so today we are going to talk about plans. Now have you ever made a change of plans? A change of plans for the better, for the good. It was about 13 years ago and we had made plans uh, for a vacation in Mexico with our best friends. And we were so excited, we began to book it. They got an amazing deal through their agent in Belleville, but then Julie couldn't get off work. And so we had to disappoint them and tell them, sorry, we can't go. We'd been looking forward to vacation together and we couldn't go. Well, as the week progressed, Julie was able to work her magic, spoke to her manager and spoke to some people so that she got her shifts covered and we could end up going after all. So we didn't tell our best friends that we were able to go. What we did was we called their agent in Belleville and said, don't let them know, uh, book us into that same place. Um, and, and we flew out of Ottawa, they flew out of Toronto, and we flew out six hours earlier. So we were gonna surprise them down there. Well, it turns out they got a snowstorm in Toronto, so they ended up being a day later. Um, so we were down there waiting, and we were going to the lobby every chance we could get, because we didn't know when they were gonna show up. And the people there told us, oh, it's gonna be tomorrow at four, but we, we had this feeling, we need to just keep checking back. And so after breakfast that next morning, we checked back, and lo and behold, there was this crew of people coming off a bus, and Todd and Tammy were there. And so we were like running from pillar to post to plant to, to hide. And, um, and we're sneaking up behind them. They're in line. And we get behind them. And they haven't seen us. And so 
we start to just <coughs> cough and Julie starts to giggle and they're not turning around so we bump them and they finally turn around and Tammy, her jaw stayed on the floor for probably 10 minutes. She couldn't talk and Todd was like, you guys deserve an Oscar, telling us all through Christmas season we're so disappointed, you know, we can't be there. And uh, we, of course, had a wonderful holiday. Well, the surprise was always part of the plan. The misleading disappointment during their own planning process um, was part of the greater plan. And we tolerated disappointing them uh, because we knew that the preliminary sadness would be outweighed by the eventual joy, by the great surprise. And we took so much care to be extra special, you know, keeping the secret while we were in Canada and then stalking the lobby uh, when we were in Mexico. We took extra care to make that extra special a great surprise. Well, imagine that care multiply, multiplied by a billion. And you begin to get how much God cares for you and what he's planning for you to show you his love. Last weekend, Pastor Justin reminded us about a scripture regarding plans. It was Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And hope is the first candle that is lit in the Advent candle display. It's pointing our attention to the coming of the Messiah, his advent, which means his arrival. And Christ's work on earth, his coming here to rescue us the first time, it was always part of the Father's plan, his good ultimate plan for us. And God knew that when he created this world, that man would wreck it. He knew that. He knew that the originally perfect humanity would mess up, would actually grieve his heart, and would require redeeming. And he still went ahead with it. He still did it, even though he knew everything it would cost. The original blueprint already called for the miraculous birth of the Messiah into an imperfected world. The original blueprint included the horrifying execution of that same Savior decades later. And the original blueprint called for a glorious resurrection that would point to the hope of this candle, of Advent, the hope of eternal life. This was all part of the plan. And it's as though God tolerates all the disappointment and the grief and the sadness throughout history because he knows that the eventual joy that's going to ring out through all of eternity will surpass that because it'll have peace and joy and hope and wonder. These are the plans that God has for his people. And it is a wonderful surprise what he's got in store for us. Now, Paul the Apostle, he reflected on this in 62 AD when he wrote this. I pray 
that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That is a great surprise. He is going to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine. And Isaiah, the prophet, he spoke about the wonder of the Messiah around 700 BC when he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And Jesus' best friend, when Jesus walked this earth, John the disciple, he explained it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John knew Jesus better than anyone on earth. They were best friends. And the word translated overcome in verse 5 is a fascinating word in the Greek language. Darkness can't overcome light. Darkness can't comprehend light, um, can't seize it or apprehend it. Darkness just doesn't get it. Light rules. And one author said this, Jesus came as the light into a world that was overwhelmed with the darkness of sin. To say the world did not fully recognize Jesus or comprehend his mission is true. Yet, to say the darkness was not able to overcome him is also true given his victory over death and the prevalence of his message across the ages. John's gospel, it's the gospel that begins with the story of Jesus the Messiah, not as he appeared on earth as a baby in a manger, but rather as he existed before time. There is no Bethlehem narrative in John's gospel. No infancy narrative. John had insight identifying Jesus the Savior as the creator of the universe. And John used the imagery of dark and light to explain the significance of Jesus' coming. And so we're going to turn down the lights and focus on the hope candle for a moment. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So John points out an amazing reality, that a secure eternity is in store for those who believe in Jesus, who receive him 
as Lord and Savior. It's in the blueprints. Now I want us to uh, turn our attention to the screen as we transition from dark to light. People all throughout history have been declaring the wonder of the Father's plan. Jesus miraculously came to earth. He existed before time. He was the creator, yet he took on the form of an infant human and came to the earth as part of the Father's plan. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, and wise men were always part of the plan. John the disciple, his best friend, was always part of the plan. John the Baptist, his cousin, who was the messenger who came before him, he was always part of the plan. Prophets like Isaiah and Malachi were part of the plan as well from hundreds of years before. The Father's plan was always to reveal that our Savior would be met. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We live in the shadow of death. This messed up world is fallen. We understand that. It's stained by sin and corruption. So disease and death and disaster, accidents and sadness, they have become part of our normal existence. We do live in the shadow of death. But a light has dawned. Praise his name. For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, God, Everlasting, Father, Prince of Peace. God knows we need a Savior who is Wonderful, who is Counselor, who is mighty, who is all those characteristics and attributes and other names that scripture 
points out and unfolds for us. That is all part of the Father's plan. And Isaiah prophesied about the miraculous virgin birth and the remarkable character of the Savior. And many years later, Isaiah prophesied again of the incredible earthly mission of the Christ, which would come at great cost. And at Advent, we celebrate the coming of the Messiah, the miraculous birth, and we also anticipate his return at the end of time. And the Father's plan was to redeem us all along. And the cost of redemption is what we remember and appreciate, especially on a communion Sunday. It's the of Christmas morning in Bethlehem to Good Friday at Golgotha. It's the connection of a wooden trough as a cradle for the infant to the wooden beams of a cross for the execution of that same Savior decades later. And it was all part of the Father's plan because we need redemption. Isaiah also prophesied about the role of the Messiah. And the reality is, it contains crushing disappointment before we get to the joy of life eternal. The wonderful surprise is that the depths of pain and disappointment that we experience in our earthly existence, they will pale in comparison to the intensity of the joy and the peace and the relief and the happiness in the life to come. That is the hope of Advent. And Isaiah described the suffering of Jesus this way. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him. And afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. This prophecy is so descriptive about the type of death and burial that Jesus the Messiah would experience. And it's this specific because it was always part of the Father's plan. 
his plan to redeem us. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. What a Savior we have. What a God we have who would endure all of that anguish because of our need of a Savior. And one author said it this way, What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Man, I can't wait for that day, I'll tell you. And this reality helps us as we face our present sufferings. The sufferings of the Savior lead ultimately to a perfect future, to life eternal. And that is what we remember in communion. Here we celebrate an open communion. If Jesus is your Lord, you join us in communion. And if you have not yet decided to follow Jesus, please let today be your day. Surrender your life to him in this moment. Pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. But I want a secure eternity. I want a forever with you. So I turn away from being master of my own life, and I make you master of my life. I confess you as my Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Amen. So if you've prayed that or something like that, please, if you've decided to follow Jesus today, come and see me following the service. I will be in the lobby.